Hello, I'm Julie Swenson, Managing Director of Forward Theatre Company in Madison, Wisconsin. I'm Mike Fisher, Milwaukee-based theatre writer and dramaturg. I'm Jen Apoff-Gray, Founder and Artistic Director of Forward Theatre Company. And this is Theatre Forward, a twice-monthly conversation about theatre from a local, regional, and national perspective. From Madison to Manhattan, we're excited to share insight into our own company while exploring issues surrounding theatre in the Midwest and around the country. Welcome to episode 55 of Theatre Forward. Two nickels. All right. (laughs) So this episode, we are going to talk about our recent announcement of our lucky 13th season coming up for 2021-2022 and what went into selecting it. And I thought I would just start real quickly with um, the tagline for this upcoming season, which is, nevertheless... (laughs) <laughs> which was proposed by right. the the marketing company that we work with, the design company, um, and just feels so right for us and our industry and our audience as we, I will even knock wood, you'll hear me um, as we record this, as we look at what we assume will be the coming out of COVID year for us and for our industry. Things certainly are moving Many things are moving in a promising direction here in Wisconsin. Vaccination rates are really impressive, um, and we are feeling feeling good about being back to live in person performance uh, in this upcoming season. But I feel like before we talk about the particular plays, we just kind of need to acknowledge the ways in which planning for the season were different from considerations that we had uh, in past years. And also in many ways, the same. I mean, the same fundamental goals of picking good plays that would be new and exciting for our audience, that would provoke great conversation, that would provide inspiring art, that would employ lots and lots of artists in our state, um, that provide a balanced season of different tones and different topics, like all of that, totally the same. But we were also thinking things about how many out-of-towners might we be in a position to house this year? Um, you know, do we need to be prepared for part or all of the season to have um, capacity restrictions in our theater? Making sure we had the right to film all of our productions so that we could offer at-home viewing to folks um, who might be feeling squeamish about subscribing just with there still being some unknowns out there. What are some other ones, Julia or Mike? Am I forgetting other big considerations that went in? It was interesting at our advisory company uh, meetings, you know, the, the body that helps to choose this season. Um, there, there were certainly um, a faction of that group that just wanted easy listening, <laughs> you know, and, and uh, oh, nothing too heavy. And, um, while that's a valid um, concern or, or a valid wish, it's not necessarily what we do at Forward. And not everything is heavy, but, but we had to balance that with even the lighter pieces um, have some meat to them. And so we couldn't go way to the extreme of, of plays that we don't pick in a normal season. Right. Yeah. Balancing that, you know, we, we, we understand and recognize people's psychic need for healing and hope at this moment in time, 
while also not wanting to be like, well, and now, now we're going to have a season of fluff because it's just not what we do. And honestly, right. fluff has its place. I right. like a good piece of fluff and I will go see it at other companies, but that's, that's just not what we, what we do at forward. We do a mix of comedies and dramas and the dramas usually have some comedy in them and the comedies usually have some meat to them, but that's kind of our sweet spot. And so we didn't want to suddenly start programming things that have nothing to do with who we are. Right. You know, all made all made more complicated by what we've referred to uh, on this podcast many times is the second pandemic that mm-hmm. we're going through. And that was uh, it has been going on forever, but has been exacerbated and sort of underscored by by the horrific violence um, in, in, you know, with with Breonna Taylor and George Floyd and Amar Arbery and now the most recent uh, shootings in Minneapolis and Knoxville. Um, and, you know, I think Chris Jones, it, it'll be a few weeks old by the time this podcast drops, had a lovely piece in the Tribune a couple of days ago. Uh, and he talked about this struggle to balance um, exactly what the two of you have been talking about. We need to be recognizing that some people just want to laugh right now. It has been a long, hard year. And that there are others, and I, and I know I'm You've heard me on this podcast more in this camp where like, you know, boom, 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 you know, beat you over the head right now with what's going on because you feel the urgency of the moment, which we all do. And what Chris said, and it's something I really want to try and practice in my own thinking about the craft is absolutely right. He said, there are going to be people who will have reasonable disagreements about what kinds of shows should be done. Um, And that we need to have enough grace and love for each other to recognize that there are room for multiple points of view on this issue. Um, And I say that not just in terms of our season about which I am intensely proud, but in terms of all the companies that have started and will be in the weeks ahead announcing. And I think whether you like their particular selections or not, cut them some slack. This has been a really, really hard year in terms of choosing plays. Um, And of course, I'll think we've done better than anybody else. Um, but it's, it's been hard, folks. And we're all doing our best out there to, to get it right. Right. Well, I, I want to jump in. And I, I, the way we'll do this is I'll, you know, I'll talk about one of the plays we've chosen and sort of just the, the bare outlines of it. And then we can just chat a little bit about what it was that, that caused us to put this uh, in, in this season. So we're going to be opening our season in September 2021, a mere, what, five months from now, wow, um, with a almost never produced gem of a play by uh, the legendary Adrian Kennedy, actually co-written with her son, Adam Kennedy, called Mom, How Did You Meet the Beatles? And um, it is a two-hander. It's, it's one of those two-handers that you could make an argument is kind of a one-person show, um, but it is uh, an autobiographical play that Adrian and Adam Kennedy wrote together in which the son is interviewing his mother uh, about her experiences as a young, exciting, emerging Black playwright in the 60s, uh, American who traveled uh, not on a on a whim, but on a on a hope and a prayer over to London and spent some time in London in the swinging sixties and that exciting uh, environment. And she was there primarily uh, because she was hooked up with John Lennon to take some of his what he called nonsense writings and turn them into a play for the National Theater. And. Uh, it is a, it's this very autobiographical piece of story theater, really, um, describing her interactions with 
not just, you know, the Beatles and Laurence Olivier at the National, but also, you know, leading figures um, in uh, the, the both British and European and Black American um, movements uh, at the time. And uh, we're, we're especially excited about this, not just because we have seen a dismaying a lack of knowledge about the incredible um, wealth of Kennedy's legacy as a writer in the American theater, lack of knowledge and appreciation of that, um, that we're excited to um, shine more of a light on her here in our community, but also this is a chance to work with some amazing Wisconsin artists, um, especially Dr. Baron Kelly, uh, who is on faculty at the University of Wisconsin-Madison here, an unbelievably gifted director, actor, and academician, and educator. Um, he will be directing this for us. And it's the return to forward of the marvelous Marty Goble, who will be bringing Adrian Kennedy to life. So that's that's kind of my overview of what excites me about this project. Yeah, I just, you know, I mean, Kennedy is, I, and 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 a shout out to Roundhouse Theater, which has done a fan, fabulous foreplay Kennedy retrospective uh, over this last year, and they've been really really good. I, I mean, among the many places helping to bring her back, none of them, to my mind, have done or are doing this play, um, probably because they're just afraid of what whomever the designer is and how that person is going to run wild when they get to play with the swinging sixties um, and, and and bring that to life. But it's a play and a person who really helped me sort of get at some of the heart of it without without uh, uh, plot spoilers is our advisory company member, Jake Penner, who was just on our last podcast. And he said, in many ways, this is a play about cultural appropriation um, and about the way in which the intersection of um, different cultural forces work. Uh, you know, this aspiring Black playwright on the one hand, the Beatles on the other hand, what happens when you bring those two things uh, together. And that's probably about as much as I can say, except to say that underneath the surface of this play, there is a lot of really deep stuff um, going on and presented in that remarkably deadpan way that Kennedy often has of putting material forward. I'm so excited for us to see this, especially with somebody like Marty. Yeah, I love, um, certainly there, there is some depth to this, but what excites me the most about this play is her painting of that scene, the 60s scene in London and the expats and the National Theater is run by Laurence Olivier at the time. And her, he, um, she is as excited to sit next to Laurence Olivier as I would be. And, and you know, and just um, the people she runs into and um, her life there for a short period of time but it's so clear and um, the names will either be recognizable or people will want to run home and look them up. And that I think is really fun. Yeah, and that, I mean, and that's part of the fun uh, that we're anticipating with this production is first of all, an incredible opportunity for an enormous dramaturgical display in our lobby that really sets the scene and provides a lot of context. Um, and actually um, we're with Barron's help and, um, other remarkable professors here at UW-Madison, there's uh, been a lot of discussion of trying to put together a symposium on Adrian Kennedy's work to, to run in conjunction with our production. And so really, really doing everything on our end to make sure that that comes to pass because what, what a gift for all of us. God, would and, that be and, exciting? Oh, huh. it, yeah. 
<laughs> yeah. So that's how we're kicking the year off. And and what a, what a return to the theater in celebrating this legendary uh, playwright and um, and music and art and yeah, all of it. Um, so then in November, this is maybe closest, nearest and dearest <laughs> to my heart and probably yours as well, Mike's. We are bringing back the amateurs and anybody who has been listening to multiple episodes of podcast <laughs> knows that this is the production that was shut down by COVID. And we were just, we, we had started tech. We had one day of tech under our belts when we closed that down. And the themes of the play aside, it was just, it was a beautiful cast, a beautiful design team, um, an incredibly funny and heartfelt and engaging production that we were so so excited to share and closing any production would have been heartbreaking under the circumstances closing that one was especially so and so when we had to move all of the sets and props and costumes out of the theater and put them into storage that's what we did we put them in storage and said we are coming back for you so in november of this year we will get the gang back together um and you know lest anyone has forgotten it was a play about a group of theater makers out running and surviving a plague. So I think that it would, ooh, the emotional resonance, not just for us, but for everybody in our audience and our community, I think is gonna be just that much more heightened. And it talks about being a survivor and going through something traumatic and coming out the other side and what could be better. I'm, I'm most excited to see um, that we are bringing back majority of the cast is coming back. And uh, we did get so close, and I had seen runs and rehearsals of that play. They're going to be saying the same words they said a year and a half ago, and it's going to resonate differently. It's going to oh be God. a different play now than it would have been in March 2020. And I can't wait to see what changes, because it has to. I mean, the the, the people that come on that stage to do amateurs again are are fundamentally changed because of this year and what what will they bring to that that will be different and i am really excited to see that i'm going to be very surprised if this play by jordan harrison doesn't get picked up at a lot of theaters in the coming oh, years we can yeah. feel very prescient at recognizing early <laughs> right. pre-pandemic how brilliant it was but i think it's going to be seen a lot. I mean, this is the, you know, it's, we're talking about a, a, a play within a play that is a mystery play, um, which started arising in England in the 1370s in direct response to, and as a sort of punch in the gut to the whole idea of the Black Death 30 years earlier. Um, and God, yes, Jen, for me, you know, I mean, as the dramaturg for this production, I was literally, as you know, packing a bag, getting ready to come back to Madison for the rest of tech. Um, when when I got the news that that we were going to have to shut down, and it was it was one of the most devastating things for me in the first few months of the pandemic. And honestly, for the for the time I've had to keep this under my hat that we were bringing it back, it has been in some of the worst moments um, in this last year the the great beacon for for me of hope um, about what we can do and what theater is is all about. It is it has truly been sustaining in the way that this play and its message are going to be sustaining for our audience. I can't wait to share it. Yay. Um, so then uh, in, in the early spring, 
um, we come back with our third production. And this, um, I'm, yeah, well, you know, I'm going to say this. I'm excited about all of them. But this one has a special place in our hearts because it's going to be Forward's third world premiere production on our main stage. Um, and this is a play that was featured in our Wisconsin Rights Development Program uh, in the summer of 2020. And uh, it's called The Medellinian Debate. And it's by Quan Berry, uh, who is also, we're, we, we got a lot of UW-Madison ties this year, uh, as it turns out. But, but uh, Quan is a, a professor of creative writing at UW. She is a nationally, internationally acclaimed poet and novelist. Um, fantastic writer and exploring the world now of playwriting. And she submitted her play, Cold, to that festival. We, of course, immediately recognized, wow, this is a writer who knows how to write. Um, and we just had such a phenomenal experience working with her on that reading. And then the reading itself, which was directed by Mark H., uh, an adjunct professor at UW, um, relatively new to Madison. He directed it. We had this incredible uh, cast made up of, you know, forward and Wisconsin favorites and some faces that were new to us, people like Gavin Lawrence and Olivia Dawson. Um, it was just magical chemistry with that whole team. Uh, and so the idea of putting that on our main stage just kind of immediately dropped in as the right thing to do um, to continue to develop this wonderful play about a black um, uh, surgeon and his wife and um, his daughter and the daughter's husband. And there it takes place just post 9-11. There are issues of um, parenthood and family and bringing a, a black child into a uh, a scary and uncertain world, um, and all told with this, you know, poetic sensibility that is is Quan's uh, gift, and um, and I'm especially uh, thrilled because not only are we going to be doing this play, but actually uh, Quan Berry is going to be joining us for our entire season as a writer in residence. Really, a chance um, for us to benefit from her input and insights, and also for her to get a. a full soup to nuts, deep dive into how professional theater is put together, which I think is, I know she's been writing many more plays already since uh, this one. And so I, I hope this is gonna be a really mutually beneficial relationship and certainly a fun one. Um, and so, yeah, that's that's our early spring play, the Metalenian debates. I remember getting a text from you, Jen, for somehow you managed to find time to, 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 to read a ridiculous number of books, even though you're also running a theater company and directing back-to-back -back plays, um, about uh, Kwan's novel, She Weeps Each Time You're Born, and how excited you were by that book, as was I. Um, and in that book, and in her more recent novel, We Ride Upon Sticks, in her lovely poetry collection, which I've just been going through this morning, uh, Water Puppets, this is a person who is constantly talking about breaking from one narrative of who and what you're supposed to be and trying to find a new way. And she does it so beautifully, as you said, with such poetic language. And to see her do it in this play and to watch her own sort of roving questing spirit as she moves from poetry through novels and now into playwriting just makes me so excited that we're at the front end of, of this in a play which, as you said, is questioning what it means to be a family, questioning what it means to be Black, questioning what it means to move forward after something like 9-11 as we're moving forward after a pandemic. I mean. It's just a, it's a perfect play in a season, which has got so many plays where we're talking about how to write a new story um, and, and break free of the old stories that had been going on before. It's, it's, it's gonna be great. 
How wonderful that we, um, I love our monologue festival and our new play festival, uh, Wisconsin Writes, introduces us to playwrights we may not know. And, and uh, Medellini and Debate was one of those plays that we knew for sure we wanted to do for Wisconsin Writes. But then very quickly, we said, you know what, this would be really fantastic as a full-blown production, um, as long as uh, Juan is good with it and we bring back that unbelievable cast. We have done both. Um, so that's really exciting. And the fact, the writer in residence position, I, um, I am personally really excited to have her join us for this season. I think, um, yeah, that'll make uh, a difference in how we are approaching things. Um, I can't wait for her insight into forward. Yeah. So it's an exciting collaboration. Yeah, yeah. And then we close the season out in true forward fashion with a play that upends perhaps some of our expectations uh, of what plays can do. Um, this is a play that was written pre-COVID to be on the stage, but wound up having its, its world premiere during 2020 as a Zoom theater. Uh, got a lot of attention um, and was very acclaimed. And I saw it and uh, started you know, immediately going, us, us, we wanna do this, please, can we have this play? Um, and, and, we, and we got it. So I, I imagine it will be one of the earliest onstage productions that this script will have. Uh, it's by Sarah Gancher and it's called Russian Troll Farm, a workplace comedy. And, uh, you know, the, the, the most succinct way that I can describe it is uh, imagine an episode of The Office, except instead of this being uh, a group of um, relative misfits working for Dunder Mifflin selling paper in Scranton, it's a group of misfits uh, working for the Russian government uh, in, in a bunker creating, uh, creating fake news and Twitter threads and conspiracies uh, during the 2016 election. Um, it, this play explores different you know, theatrical forms. It is hilarious and um, gets at something that is obviously very present in all of our lives. And I, I am, I'm quite inspired by it too, because it's a, it's a wonderful reminder that any forces like this in our world that can seem sinister and overwhelming at the end of the day tends to be something created by a bunch of hapless people showing up to work. And that makes it feel a lot easier to counteract because we are all hapless people who can show up to work and, and, and do our, our own part. And so I think, it, I think it's an astonishing play. I think it is really fun. Um, designers are gonna have a field day with it. Uh, and I am, yeah, I'm pretty giddy that I get to direct this one. Uh, Jen, fess up. The real reason you fell for this play was in the stage directions at the beginning saying part four is the love child of Brecht and Annie Baker. Um, <laughs> you know, that, that, that had its appeal, yeah. <laughs> this is, what's, what's so cool about this play is, and, she, and, and Gantcher says this in her introduction, she said, this isn't really or exclusively about trolls. This is about how we tell stories. And she exuberantly in each of the parts of this thing takes on a different style 
Um, the closest thing I can think of for those who saw it was what Eric Tucker did in putting Pericles through a blender at American Players Theater, where every single scene was set in a sort of different genre or different storytelling tradition. So it's a send up of, of all these different ways in which we tell stories um, from Shakespeare to Annie Baker um, it, it, and, and added into it just so much humor. Um, I mean, you know, making some really hard hitting points, but so funny. And, and to Julie's earlier point, God, we all need to laugh right now. And if you walk out of this one and not, and not laughing, you don't have a pulse. <laughs> <laughs> it is, you know, on paper though, when you describe describe this play about uh, the the misinformation that led to the candidacy of Trump, it sounds a little, uh, but it's not. And I I agree with you, Jen. The fact that you know we we listen to like Russian hackers, which is actually in the news today, um, but it's it's people, it's people doing a job. And that does make it, it makes it more accessible. It makes it more palatable. And um, the, the richness in these characters and the way that uh, they are defined is what is hilarious to me. And um, I, it's, it is going to be really fun to see it on stage because it was one of the top 10 of 2020, according to the New York Times, as a virtual production. And it's just coming from screen to to floor. Um, you know, we might be one of the first to to make that transition, and uh, that's exciting. Yeah. It'll be really fun. A great way to um, close out our our lucky thirteenth season. Yeah, and then of course, at the very tail end of it, we will have our next Wisconsin Rights Festival. Right? So who knows? Maybe we'll find another incredible. Uh, yes, will uh, I mean, come out of that. New, new plays there. And, and just, and I hadn't really thought about this as clearly as this conversation has allowed me to do, but a play that never gets done to open this season, um, a play that is brand spanking new and has almost not been done, uh, The Amateurs, as our second play, a world premiere as our third play, and one of the, if not the first stage production as our fourth play. So, you know, talk about trying to create and craft a new narrative and a new path forward that both looks back to the, to the past as each of these plays do. They're all wrestling with history and the way we've told stories in the past, while each of them, um, like Forward itself, sort of saying, hey, we're going to find a new way forward filled with hope and promise and yes, laughter, um, and just a, a, a brand spanking new way to tell stories, which means we're also thinking about 13 in a different way, too. It's <laughs> yeah. a lucky year. So before, before said, we Mike, thank before you. close this down, I, I, I think we I want to circle us back to our season tagline of nevertheless and and what that means to each of us as we as we think about about this year ahead. And you know, I think about I think about it first and foremost probably from the lens of, you know, I think nevertheless, we persisted. You know, we got through this year. We continued to create theater all through this COVID year. We honored every one of our contracts. We delivered full productions to, for every slot in our season to our subscribers, even though the format of each of them was a little bit of a you know revolving door of uh, new technologies. But we did all of those things. And nevertheless, here we are ready to go back into live production with live audiences at the Overture Center in fall of 2021. That's, that's my number one, nevertheless. 
I, you know, for me, you know, and, I, and, I'm, and I'm thinking about this as a writer, nevertheless, is a great sort of transitional word um, when you're when you're writing. And it's Janus phase. Part of it looks back. This is sort of what I was saying a minute ago. Mm-hmm. Part of it looks back. It looks to where you were and it, and it surveys that field, but it dialectically and dialogically insists that you're going to pivot and turn. And I know the word pivot has been overused. But mm-hmm. damn it, it's appropriate here. So you're looking back at what was, you're respecting it, you're acknowledging it, you're realizing you got to deal with it, but you're saying, you know what? We're going to turn. We are going to do something different and we are going to move forward, incorporating rather than denying the past, but moving forward and creating and forging a new path. Mm. It nevertheless is this wonderful conjunction word. It implies that there was something that happened that was hard before and the uh, effort it will make to uh, uh, be better than that to survive that and succeed. And so it is, nevertheless, we had this pandemic. We are still here. We are still gonna be doing art. And um, it can be filled in with however many people there are that see our season, hear us, and um, they can fill it in for themselves, which is exactly how it should be. That's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I, I think that's it for this episode of Theater Forward, a conversation about theater in Wisconsin, the Midwest, and America. Thank you so much for joining us. I'm Jen Alpoff Gray. I'm Julie Swenson. And I'm Mike Fisher. Our podcast is produced by Scott Hayden, who, despite all of our gaps and all of our mistakes, has nevertheless persisted in producing 55 episodes of, of this podcast. You can follow us, thanks to him, or share your thoughts on Facebook uh, or Instagram or Twitter at Theater Forward, as always, with an ER. And we will persist in making that clear. <laughs> and if you enjoy this podcast, don't forget to subscribe to us uh, wherever you might tune in. And please leave a review or send us an email. We'd love to hear from you. We'd love to hear what nevertheless means to you in this year. Uh, but we are just so grateful to have you listening. And we will be back soon for another Theater Forward conversation.